0: Almost here, around the corner, technology. And today I'm speaking with um, Justin Marks from Arfona.com, A-R-F-O-N-A, a 3D printing company. They do um, 3D printers for hobbyists and makers. How you doing, Justin?
1: Great. How are you, Rich? Good,
0: good. Uh, in case I gave a uh, poor description of what you do, can you expand upon it a little bit? With, um, what does Arfona specialize in and what does it do? Sure. I mean, you
1: certainly touched on some of the, the key markets that we do focus on. Uh, we actually started the company uh, it was earlier this year, although it's been, been in the planning stage for, for many years now. Uh, our core product is actually a 3D printed partial denture. Uh, my own background is as a denture technician and a dental lab owner. And in working with traditional methods, which in the case of dentures have kind of been the same technology for the last almost 100 years, uh, started exploring 3D printing options to, to, in order to, to advance the technology a little further. There's a lot of other types of restorations that are now made in the dental laboratory using digital methods, whether it's through 3D printing or CNC machining. And dentures are kind of the last thing that are made by dental technicians to actually catch up to the digital manufacturing revolution. So we did invent a product to do that. And our flagship product, the RPOD desktop printer, prints not only partial dentures, but... Uh, can also be used with a wide range of other materials that can be used not only in
0: dental, but also in other markets like the ones you mentioned. Interesting. Um, for dentures, what material do you print in, and is that the same material that lab technicians would use to make it, you know, by hand or by other process? Yes.
1: Yeah, so one of the main products that we print on the R-Pod is it's a product called Valplast. That's the brand name. And it's actually a type of nylon material that historically has been injection molded to form a a partial denture. And it's just a specific type of partial denture that differs from some of the older metal ones that we may be familiar with. But uh, it it is a type of nylon that blends in with the gums. And like I mentioned, it's normally injection molded. And so now we can actually extrude that um, from from a nylon filament
0: into a 3D printed object. Wow. And because you're printing it, is it, is the denture, does it fit better? Is it more customized? Is it, what's the benefits of it?
1: Benefits uh, from a laboratory perspective are that it, it does save on materials, on average about 10 to 20% materials, uh, but saves significantly in labor costs uh, up to 50 to 60%. Uh, that's not to say that this type of automation is going to cut dental technicians out of the loop or, or out of their jobs. Uh, quite the opposite. There is, there is a huge growth in the demand for dentures as more and more of the population become uh, without, without their teeth. Uh, it, it's a pretty high number of American patients eating at least one or more of their teeth. And so for that reason, we don't have enough dental technicians to actually fabricate this, this type of restoration. And that's why we've looked to more uh, you know, additive manufacturing solutions
0: in order to fill that gap. And what about for the, uh, the end user? How long does it take to wait for dentures, and does this process help them to get dentures faster?
1: Yeah, so from, from a commercial laboratory perspective, and this is something that most dental patients or consumers don't even realize happens behind the scenes, uh, after the dentist takes an impression or, or a mold of, of your teeth, that gets usually sent to a commercial dental lab where it can take anywhere from five days to two weeks or even longer to fabricate the dentures and, and usually over many visits to the dentist, sometimes even four or five or even more. And so by incorporating the digital technology, this will not only cut down on the fabrication time in the laboratory, but it can also integrate with some of the scanning technology the dentists are starting to use in their office. So rather than taking a physical impression with all of that kind of you know goopy stuff that they put in your mouth to do it, Now the dentist can actually use just a 3D scanner to take a mold. That gets sent to the lab immediately, um, and they can start work on it right away.
0: Oh, that's great. Okay. What what else, uh, again, since you come from that uh, realm, and I haven't spoken to anyone about, you know, dental 3D printing stuff, what else can you make with 3D printers besides dentures? You know, that would be for the people's mouths.
1: Yeah. So we are, uh, you know, kind of the, the key benefit in doing this, aside from, you know, the, the time savings and the labor savings that, that I was just talking about, is that this is really the first uh, printer in, in digital dentistry that, that can make parts for end use. There's a lot of 3D printing that's been used for the last five or six years, I would say, um, they usually deal with stereolithography-type uh, um, technologies, and so... Uh, By stereolithography, I mean this uses like a liquid resin that when a laser or an ultraviolet light touches it, it hardens into a physical object. And the limitations on those materials are that, you know, they don't have the proper strength or the proper aesthetic properties or wear characteristics to be used long term in a patient's mouth. So we're not quite at the point where you can 3D print the tooth itself from one of those resins and expect it to last long term. So in a lot of cases, those are used for either single-use products or temporary diagnostic-type uh, applications. And what our printer does in not only plus but some of the other materials that we're developing, it actually does print an end-use part. So the denture that we print on this, on this printer is used in the patient's mouth long-term. And so along the same lines, albeit with different materials and slightly different techniques, we're also working on materials for uh, orthodontic appliances, so like uh, night guards or... or or sleep apnea devices. Uh, these are things that, you know, using the same technique and either the same or similar materials could be printed on, on the same unit.
0: Um, with any of the dental implant stuff you make, is there any possibility of it anchoring into the, the jawbone or truly integrating with the person? Any There's biomimetic two- materials you can make?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's certainly potential for it. In fact, uh, just last week at the Greater New York Dental Convention, I was sitting on a panel discussion with some other, you know, leading 3D printing companies in dental. And one of them, you know, said that their R&D team had actually recently successfully implanted a, a fully 3D printed tooth. Um, and and oh. I was undergoing research at one of the universities. that I, The name kind of slipped uh. me. But, uh, yeah, in, in the category of biomaterials, that's certainly something that, uh, will be down the pipeline. Uh, I, I, I can absolutely foresee that coming about.
0: Okay. So yeah, let's move to the other um, products that our phone makes. So you said you have, um, I forget the name. You have a, a new printer that's come out for makers and hobbyists. What is that?
1: Yeah. So the the printer that I just mentioned, the R Pod, that actually comes in two different configurations. One the of them is okay. two Yeah, the R Pod, and that's R dot P O D. Uh, it's actually that's a play on my grandfather's name. My my grandfather was a Hungarian dental technician. His name was Arpad, A R P A D, and oh. he's actually he's actually the inventor of the Valplast material that that we now work with uh, using this 3D printing platform. So that's a little bit of history of how the name came about. But uh, that that comes okay. in a what, what we call a dual extruder model. And by dual extruder, I mean it actually has two nozzles on it, so it prints two different materials at the same time. Uh, In the case of something like a Valplast partial denture, it actually prints Valplast resin using one nozzle, but then it also prints a separate support material out of the second nozzle. And uh, that support material basically just holds the denture up and keeps it in place while it's printing, and then that gets detached and discarded as soon as the print job is done. And that's, uh, that's something that is still coming about in 3D printing in general. Is the post processing that happens uh, after the part is actually completed on the printer? Um, you know, especially at the maker level, but even at the industrial level, you know, if we want to move past just prototyping of parts and actually make end use parts, uh, it's really up to the industry to come up with better ways for uh, making parts that can come off the printer, have relatively little post processing. By post processing, I mean, uh, you know, cutting down part supports and parts that aren't needed, discarding them. Uh, sanding, like
0: smoothing it and things
1: like that, yeah. exactly. Yep, and that's something that oh. still, uh, you know, has has yet to quite come about. And so by using two different materials that are chemically not compatible with one another, um, we're able to print, you know, materials like Valplast or other nylons and uh, detach the support material rather easily. But going back to your question about, you know, the other markets, we do also have a single extruder version of the R-Pod, and so that okay. just prints one material at a time. And that is obviously offered at a slightly lower price, so that's more attractive to uh, users in the maker or, or hobbyist community.
0: Are you trying to close the gap between um, commercial or industrial-grade printers and uh, hobbyists or maker ones? And, and what things can you do to try to close that gap or make your stuff more robust?
1: You're absolutely right. Uh, one of the things that I found before I entered the 3D printing industry myself in creating our phone app, Uh, Back when I was just a a dental laboratory owner and researching all of the options that are coming into my industry, uh, I found that the printers themselves were rather, uh, not only expensive, but in my eyes, overpriced. We're talking, you know, six-figure sums for a 3D printer that, in many cases now, has the same build volume and can print the same materials as a desktop printer, and Mm -hmm. so that's something that, uh, you know, not only us, but I know there are other companies as well that are starting to bridge that gap and make this technology more attractive to not not just consumers, but, you know, uh, what we call prosumers, right? So the bridge between con- consumer and professional. And right. that's not only the price, but just the range of materials and applications that it can be used for. Uh, it's, everything looks great on a computer screen when you look at a digital design, but unless you can actually turn that into a tangible object, and not just a prototype, but something that can actually be of use and have the right properties, um then you know it's, it's kind of all a pipe dream until we can actually reach that level and it's starting to and and that's okay. one of you know that's definitely been the focus of our company uh in the dental market but obviously branching out into others just because there is some crossover technology
0: yeah what else do you see that people are making with your printer you know besides stuff in the dental world what are uh, common things that people are using it for so
1: we also see it uh, being used by architects and designers uh, to print, you know, uh, designs that they've come up with, whether it be for interior design or, or architectural plans. Um, you know, back in the day, you used to have to make a lot of these things by hand, and now, you know, a digital design, which you know, most of the people in these industries use anyways, uh, they use, you know, certain computer aided design software to come up with their plans. Now they can actually 3d print the object as well and use it for their own proposals or, or the internal development. So we see that we do see it on the engineering side as well, especially since we can use more kind of performance plastics. You know, I mentioned nylon and, uh, you know, materials like that, uh, a lot of consumer level 3d printers, they only print pretty basic materials like, uh, PLA, which is polylactic acid, and it's, it's, uh, it actually is derived from corn and, and renewable resources, which is cool and interesting, but it's a very easy-to-print plastic. Um, however, it's also very brittle and doesn't really serve a lot of functional use, and so that's where we get into more difficult-to-print plastics like nylon um, ABS as well um, which is a pretty popular engineering and prototyping material and you know trying again trying to take the approach of bringing these performance level polymers down to a level that's more attractive to uh, that consumer or prosumer market um, putting it within reach of them
0: Gotcha, interesting um, For the dental market I have a question um, I had just spoken to a company that uh, Stratasys I believe and they talked about surgeons that would make a, uh, an exact replica, let's say, of someone's head if they needed to do a brain surgery, and that way the surgeon could practice. Do you see that in the, in the dental world where you make a, a cast of someone's mouth, you know, a 3D printed replica, so you can really show the person, first of all, what's going on, and then if you're going to do a surgery plan how to get in there or how to move things around?
1: Yes. Yeah. So one of the things I think that's really cool about 3D printing technology now that it's come down in price and is more accessible to a lot of users is that, you know, not only the dental technicians are buying these to use for fabricated restorative appliances, but, you know, dentists and surgeons are also using them as part of the treatment planning process where they can plan amongst themselves internally, you know, how they're going to do a surgery, how they're going to treat a patient, but they can also share that with the patient. Um, You know, so that the patient knows completely up front exactly what's involved, what the procedure entails, um, and in many cases actually take home a replica of their own jaw or, you know, maxillofacial cranial structures, uh, which they they certainly find maybe not attractive to look at, but cool in in concept. (laughs) I think, think, uh, you know, again, you know, a lot of what we do behind the scenes is kind of invisible to the dental patient, um, but especially with all the technology that we're starting to use it does become a pretty exciting thing for them to to explore.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting. Okay, um, this, this question should have been probably right at the beginning, but you mentioned the um, the history of the R Pod, where the name came from. What about Arphona, yeah. your company? Where did that name yeah. come from? So that's actually a
1: play on it, the same the same person that uh, that R Pod came from uh, come from. Uh, that's my grandfather. Okay. His his full name was Arpod Fodor Arnaki, which is a Pretty typical Hungarian name. Probably half the country is named oh. Nagy, but uh, um, Arfona is uh, the first two letters mm-hmm. of his first, middle, and last name.
0: Okay. All right. That makes sense.
1: Yeah. And he's also, you know, I'll, I'll mention uh, he, he passed away a couple of years ago, but uh, he's credited with starting the laboratory mm-hmm. that I now own and operate, which is Master Touch Dental Lab, and that operates as the research ground for a lot of the work we do at Arfona um he's also the one that got me into tech uh, dental technology he uh he started working as a dental technician when he was only 16 and uh kind of kept it with him his entire career until he he passed away at the age of 91 and uh, so now I, i represent the third generation of that and even though he didn't really live to see the 3d printing side of it uh he's still here in spirit because he's 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 the influence behind a lot of what we do
0: all right that's great um so because of your inside knowledge, what do you see as realistic right now, which we've talked about in the near future, in the next year, what do you think will be coming? Uh, then maybe five or 10 years out, what do you think is possible versus fantasy? Sure. for 3d printing.
1: I think the biggest thing that we're going to see in the next year, which is not just in the dental industry, but in a lot of industries uh, is that uh, really good, you know, what, used to be considered professional level printers are now coming down in price and becoming more accessible to a lot more users. Uh, so that includes not just dental labs and, and, and dental clinicians, but, uh, you know, any industry you could, you could feasibly imagine that doesn't have a six-figure sum to cough up for a, a rapid prototyping machine. You know, now they can spend anywhere from two to $5,000, which is much more reasonable. Uh, to start bringing a lot of the stuff in-house, whether you're designing parts uh, and you just need to make a prototype or whether you actually want to start manufacturing end-use products because the material technology is catching up. I think just the fact that these are coming down in price will make it fairly widespread over the next year. In looking to the future, I think we can see, you know, probably expanded material selection. Um, I I know speaking from, again, my industry being in dental. Uh, 3D printing of ceramics will probably come about in the next 5 to 10 years. Um, other types of polymers like uh, PEAK, which is polyether ether ketone. That's a really high strength plastic that is not commonly used in dentistry yet, but has a lot of potential because it has similar properties to human bone. And so that oh, wow. potentially could take over from a lot of the applications that titanium and other types of metal are now being used for. Um, and once once we really drill down on the science of how to 3D print that properly, I think we'll see pretty widespread use of that, um, not only in dentistry, of course, but in medicine and other medical procedures.
0: What do you think, you know, if you could do it, what would be the ideal substance to make dentures or teeth out of? replacement ones?
1: Yeah, good question. Um, there's no one answer for that, um, unless some new material is developed. Um, you know, I, I could tell you that what I'm used to working with, which is nylon, you um, just have its pros and cons. Uh, it's a very strong material that's thin, lightweight, um, unbreakable in a lot of cases. So it has strength and durability and is comfortable to the patient. But from a dental technician standpoint, it's not the easiest material to work with. Um, from a dental uh, clinician standpoint, it's not something that they can easily modify um, when the patient comes to visit them. So let's uh, say they need to add a tooth or make some modifications to it. It usually has to go back to a dental lab to have that done. Uh, yes, well. So does metal. Um, whereas there are some other plastics like acrylic that they could modify themselves, chair size. Um, and, and acrylic, mm-hmm. you know, for that reason, is very attractive. It's also very quick to fabricate, but then also has the drawbacks of it's not very durable. It's easy to break. As a result, we tend to make dentures very thick so that, you know, it's not very tolerable to the patient. Um, and there's also a very large portion of the population that's allergic to denture acrylic, whether they know it or not.
0: Um, uh, okay. that's, because
1: of the, that's because of the free monomer uh, chemical component that's in that resin um, that a lot of patients are highly sensitive to. So, you know, again, you could you could pick maybe the best features from each of these materials and, maybe at some point in the future, develop a hybrid material that encompasses the best of all of them. Um, but as far as now, it really depends on the indication, um, you know, how are you going to use it, where are you going to use it, and, you know, the, the pros have to outweigh the cons.
0: What about actual tooth material, enamel? Do you think there could be a pen, for instance, type of device that a, a dentist could hold that would extrude enamel material, like literally so you could rebuild the tooth right inside the mouth, you know, when you uh you know fill a cavity with actual enamel, yeah, I mean
1: if you had asked me ten years ago if I'd be printing uh dentures, I probably would have told you no so uh you know i I wouldn't rule out anything at this point. it's definitely beyond my field of expertise but um i I could certainly say that at some point down the road we'll we will at least be experimenting with that or exploring the option, and I'm sure get to a point where that's entirely possible,
0: okay. Um, Any applications in braces versus what's being used right now because of what you do? Sure.
1: Yeah. So uh, the the interesting thing about uh, braces and just orthodontics in general is that um, there's a pretty high percentage of orthodontists that are starting to use digital technology in their clinics. They're using the 3D scanning technology that I mentioned before. They're also using design software to plan out the patient's orthodontic treatment. So, they can actually manually reposition the teeth, um, you know, determine the entire series of the treatment over whatever period of time it's going to take, and they can fabricate either invisible aligners, uh, so such as Invisalign, that's how that's manufactured, um, mm-hmm. but even for the, for the you know, braces, what you could do is you could virtually place that using the software and then 3D print a model of the patient's teeth with the braces and that then helps the dentist place the braces. It's basically like a bracket positioner, so they can use that in the patient's mouth.
0: Interesting, okay. Yeah. Any so any other fields that are... Uh, good? Go yeah. Yeah, I, I was gonna ask you, uh, any fields that are very similar to dentistry that you see that your technology could be used for that people may not be aware of?
1: Sure, I think there are implications um, probably within just general surgeries um, and, and, you know, uh, implantology, um, that's, you know, again, going a little bit above what we do here, which is more prosthetics or prosthodontics. Um, but I think within that, within that realm, um, you know, actual prosthetics, um, I know that there are possibilities being explored with that as well. And, and, and other aspects of 3d printing, so 3d printing of artificial limbs, um, you know, ears, eyes, uh, noses, um, you know, any type of restorative prosthetic technique could theoretically be done with 3D printing, so long as the materials are there.
0: Okay. Weird question that just occurred to me. What about um, animal dentistry? Is there ever a need for uh, animal dentures? You know, there is. There there are a couple
1: Dogs? of uh, dental... De- yeah, there's a couple of dental technicians that I follow online. Uh, you know through various social media uh, channels. And I know that their labs do work with veterinary zoos and hospitals. and um, I haven't done worked on any of those those cases myself, but I've seen some of the work they do. Um, I think they're starting to use digital dentistry because you know let's let's assume you have uh, not just a dog but even something as large as as a tiger or a lion that needs uh, you know dental treatment. Um, once they're under anesthetic, um, it's probably a lot easier to scan. Uh, the animal's mouth rather than take a physical impression, Um, especially considering if you ever need to retake the impression, it would be much infinitely harder to do something with a human patient. Um, So they can scan that and then they can fabricate, let's say, a a new tooth or a new crown out of a material like uh, zirconium, which uh, is probably a lot stronger and certainly has more uh, attractive uh, benefits over, let's say, a, a full metal restoration. So instead of making right. a full metal tooth for an animal uh, as, as their their dental crown, you could actually make it out of uh, out of something like zirconia, which is becoming a much more popular material in in
0: dental. Okay. And for listeners, who w- who would be a good uh, customer of our phone in the dental world or outside the dental world, mm-hmm. and um, you know, what's the best way for them to get in contact with you?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, by far, our largest customer base is is within, uh, you know, dental laboratories. Uh, So dental labs typically fabricate the majority of of prosthetic restorations. So dentures, crowns, bridges, uh, a lot of implant-borne restorations, these are all made in dental laboratories. It is becoming, you know, a bit of a trend for dentists to hire their own dental technicians and do the work in-house in their own clinic, uh, especially with some of the digital equipment that they can use like scanning, 3D printing, uh, subtractive milling, because they can make restorations, you know, feasibly while the patient actually waits for them, whether it's, you know, one or two or even three hours or even the same day restoration, they can come back in the afternoon. So we are seeing, you know, a bit of growth amongst the the dentists that have their own in-house technicians as well. So those are definitely our model clients. Um, But outside of that, you know, anybody who's looking to, anybody who's been researching 3D printing um, for manufacturing needs and they can't afford the high cost of an industrial unit, but they want to go above the limitations of just a desktop consumer unit, they want to explore new materials and new methods, uh, then we would be the right company to contact. And I would urge any of them to follow us online, any of our social media, uh, at Arfona3D, or go to our website, arfona.com.
0: Yeah, and the R-Pod, um, is it out yet, or is it just about to be out? Where could people buy one, just direct? Or? Yeah. So we actually that just awesome. finished
1: a. Yeah, we actually just finished a pre-order period, um, and the first units will be shipping at the end of this month, and then starting at the beginning of 2017, we'll have the units in stock and ready to go for all customers, and they can purchase that directly from us by calling our office here in Brooklyn, or uh, visiting ourphono.com and ordering directly from our
0: online store. Okay, well, very good. Any, anything you wanted to touch on that we haven't covered? I think that covers a lot of ground. I apologize if I was
1: talking too much or too fast, but uh, uh, you can no, probably tell no, I get excited good. talking about this
0: stuff, and, uh, and oh, it's always a pleasure to share it. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the corner future technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post to review and discover more future technologies